Trucks in Babylon, a Western Seminary podcast. Join Dr. Todd Miles and Dr. Andrew Pack as they talk about theology, culture, and ministry in a post-Christian context. This is Todd Miles, uh, professor of theology at Western Seminary, and our guest on Food Trucks in Babylon is Dr. Gary Brashears. Gary is a friend of mine. Uh, a colleague and 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 also a mentor, uh, Gary. Welcome. Thanks for coming on with us. I am glad to be here and see if I can mentor you again. Okay. Yes. That's okay. Well, <laughs> Although we're more colleagues than anything now. Oh, uh, yeah. That's I, 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 that's that's kind of you to say, uh, Gary. I, I, you are a professor here at Western Seminary, but but what what exactly do you do? Can you give us the 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 elevator description of who you are? Uh, the best thing to describe me would be a happy grandfather. I've got four bio grandkids, and I've just spent time with all of them. Two of them are getting married. One of them went to Paris with me, and that's great. I'm pastor of pastors, which would be kind of the key thing I do as far as Western is concerned. I just do a lot of things with pastors. I do theology classes, Bible classes, a lot of personal mentoring, a lot of personal help. Uh, and that pastor of pastors is my big thing, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of that, a lot of that, and I love it. It's what an incredible privilege to work with young men and women who are doing work for the kingdom and I get to have an impact in their life. And it's a huge privilege, as you know. Yes. How long have you been at Western? It's been, it's been a while. Well, I came in 1980. So I'm, as we record this, I'm finishing up my 42nd year and going into my 43rd year of all the crazy things in the world. I've I've almost been a colleague of yours for half of your time at Western. (laughs) That's, that's very strange because I thought you had been here forever when I was a student. Well, uh, totally. Most of my students are not as old as I've been here. I yeah. mean, it, it's crazy, but I love what I do. And uh, yeah. you're you're also an elder at, at Grace. Yes, I'm at Grace Community Church, Grace. I'm an elder, part of the preaching team there, and then I'm a consultant with a lot of different churches in different levels. But my official thing is an elder at Grace, and I love the church. GraceCC.net. You can hear me preach about once a month or so. It's, how often? It's about once a month. Okay. At Grace, and then I do probably one other time. A month at some other church. Yeah, I mentioned that because as a as a young student, and I got together with you a couple of years of like weekly meetings. Yeah. Uh, we even we were at the same church together because yep. I went where you were at to follow you. We we I, I say co-taught. I'm, I, that's in uh-huh. scare quotes. Co-taught Sunday school classes together. I always felt bad. It was like a bait and switch. It was like oh, come no. come to this class by Gary and Todd, and then you were always gone and I would walk in again and it was like, <laughs> sorry, it's me. It's me again. I know you, I know you wanted this Sunday school class with Gary, but it's just me again. Um, so all that say you've, you've had an enormous impact in my life. Um, I can't think of very many men who have had as much influence on me as you have. You're definitely the top three there. I, I say that because the, the, the reputation that we have is that we we're like always bickering and arguing about theology, <laughs> um, but cage fight. Over, yes, yeah. th- that's right. Uh-huh. Especially over Providence. Yeah. Um, but, but the reason that we teach classes where we kind of debate and argue each other is because we want to demonstrate that Christians can actually disagree about a few yeah. things, but still love each other. Yeah. And, and uh, we agree on almost everything and yeah. famously disagree on a couple of uh, things. On a couple of things, yeah, yeah that, that are 
important in that they generate a lot of passion and yep. steam, but I don't think undermine the gospel right. in any sense whatsoever. Oh, not at all. So, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, perhaps uh, another episode, we, we can actually kind of duplicate some of that that cage fighting that that we do here in class on <laughs> prayer and providence. You'd have to video thing to see us really fighting with each other around <laughs> yes. the table here. That's right. Uh, but today I, I wanted to talk with you a bit about uh, the problem of evil uh, because of something mm-hmm. that I heard you say when I invited you into a class of, of mine. Yep. And uh, it, it seems like too often, certainly, we are hearing stories of people leaving Christianity and, and they are leaving loudly. They are deconstructing their faith. They're, they're finding the doctrines of the faith or probably more the, the church to be wanting. And so they're choosing to make a break with the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And sometimes it seems to me that the precipitating issue is the the, the, the ethics of the Bible, the, the, like the sexual ethics that run right. contrary to our prevailing sensibilities in this contemporary age, the society that we're a part of. Sometimes the issue is perhaps other ethical issues that we find in the Bible, be it like Canaanite genocide texts. Yep. Um, maybe people are finding the Bible's treatment of slavery dis, like not satisfying or probably more likely they're not satisfied with how the church has handled slavery through the right. ages, not necessarily what the Bible But they blame God it. for it. Of course, yeah. Um, but, but, but often the, the issue is the, the problem of evil. Yes. And so can, can you set the table for us just a little bit? Yep. What are we talking about when we talk about the problem of evil? Well, the problem of evil in David Hume's famous thing, God is good, God is powerful, evil exists. All three of those things are affirmed in the Bible. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing is it seemed like you can only have two of those three be true. Okay. And either God is not good and he's powerful and evil there. So he does evil for giggles. Yeah. And scary or, thought. Yeah. Or he's not powerful, but he's good and he's doing the best he can. But I mean, even a God can't run this crazy place. Perhaps a little less scary, but still very, very scary. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, or evil is an illusion. And there really isn't such a thing. It's just, you know, the downside, things are tough or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oops kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the thing of it is, but that that becomes a very real thing when you're like some friends of mine who uh, just lost a baby. Hmm. They were just so excited to have the baby. Uh, it was, they went in for birth and as they're doing the birth, they discovered the baby was dead. Mm-hmm and extremely difficult to go through all the agonies of giving birth to just get a dead baby out of the womb. Mm-hmm. Now, these are believers, yeah. but they'd prayed for that. They'd felt God's blessing in that, and it was a real blow. If God is good and loving, why do we have a dead baby? Yes. And what happens there is pain is more real than God in those kind of situations mm. many times because pain hurts like crazy, and the goodness of God seems to disappear at that point. And that, that's the problem of evil. If God is good, if God is powerful, then why do we have this kind of pointless suffering? Now, mm-hmm. there's, there's suffering that has a point. You know, sure. My son wrestled in high school, and he went through a lot of pain and actually did well in wrestling. Mm-hmm. But his poor mom sitting beside me was in agony watching David be put into a pretzel mm-hmm. down there on the mat. But, you know, David really enjoyed it. That's a pointed pain, mm-hmm. but a pointless pain. It just okay. it just seems so wrong if God is good and powerful. Yeah, and and at times it, it it's even possible that uh, that that others could see. Well, there is probably something going on here, 
but when you're in that moment, yeah. it is very, very difficult. Yeah. And, and, and that probably doesn't even address a, a lot of the, the pain that's out there. So you brought up um, what appears to be pointless pain, but I suppose that others could just look at evil that is done by other people. Like there, there's just bad people in the world. Why doesn't God stop them? There's, well, yeah. there's, something, there's something going on here. That's not like then that God is not powerful yes. because there are other agents who are maliciously evil. You know, I think of my own background, stuff I've done with. I worked with evil people and the results mm-hmm. of evil people in all kinds of different ways. I look at some of the narcissistic pastors that I've mm-hmm. <laughs> I've worked with them. I've worked against them, mm-hmm. and I'm to my, you know, I was able to get a couple bad pastors out of the ministry. But there's there's a guy that went through pastoral ministry here in the area, full on narcissist, full on hurting people, and I couldn't do anything about him, and mm-hmm. nobody else could either. His legacy went behind him, and I'm just so frustrated with that. Uh, mm-hmm. He did have cancer toward the end of his time, and I I wish I could say that was God's punishment on him for what he did, but I don't think that probably was the case. Yeah. But it's, it's why... We would never God, know. Why don't you do something? Mm-hmm. You know, just the cry that comes out. Yeah. So it, it's probably obvious, but why for, for, for Christians? Let's start there. Yep. Why for Christians is, is, is this so problematic? Well, it's really only a problem for Christians. Okay. Because we do believe in a good God who is a creator of the world, who is providentially involved in the world, and that's what makes the problem of evil a problem. If you're a naturalist and evolution Mm -hmm. is correct, survival is fittest the way it is, the biggest, baddest lion runs the world and the other lions around are dead. And he's got a harem of of lionesses. Uh, There's no problem of evil. That's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. It may hurt, but that's nature's red in tooth and claw, to use a famous phrase. So there isn't a problem of okay. evil, though it may hurt. The problem comes when you've got a good, powerful, providentially involved God okay. who, why in the world is this happening? That's where the problem comes. The naturalist has a problem of good. Why in the world do you have people sacrificing themselves for the mm-hmm. sake of somebody else? It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Hume, though, wasn't a believer. Oh, no. And so, so he's presenting this as like an argument against Christianity. That's correct. That, that then perhaps gains some, some traction in the lives of those who, who confess that faith. Right. In, in that moment of pain. Yep. Maybe you and I can give a quick tutorial here. What are some of the typical approaches in Christianity to the problem of evil? There's no way that we can exhaustively oh, no. say, oh, this is precisely the reason. But, but people give a variety of arguments that help. I don't know, what would you say, um, satisfy to some degree the, the question, soothe the soul a bit? Uh, um, well, the source of evil, and that's the thing that Hume did not have in his three-point aphorism, okay. God is good, God is powerful, evil exists. What he does not put in is other agents that God mm-hmm. have who have agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so free will or whatever you call it, but agency is a real key thing. Okay. And there is agency other than God and when you put that in, then his logical problem falls apart. Okay. The problem is logic doesn't cover all the situation. Yeah. So we have to broaden that out to have other agents involved. And at that point, then the the logic is no longer a problem, but the experience really is. Okay. So uh, Christians have 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 attempted to solve this uh, over yep. time, or, or or at least approach it. At, yeah. at least approach it. Yeah. So it, it's not a an enormous stumbling block. Right. Uh, for them, uh, 
Calvinists will typically appeal to some sort of of, of greater good, and yep. that, well, although I think everybody appeals to some sort of greater good, uh, it's just what is that greater good? But, right. but Calvinists typically call it the greater good defense, yep. where they would say that, that that there's something that is God's glory mm-hmm. uh, it, that that God values more, and then. Than eliminating all evil right now, that right. That, that that probably would, he he allows, orchestrates, ordains, yeah, ordains uh, whatever yeah. uh, evil in the world because he's got some end in mind, some goal in mind that's that's going to accrue more glory to himself. Um, it will uh, reveal more of his attributes, perhaps that Something sort of on. thing. Yeah. yeah, my summary is God ordains, mm-hmm. renders certain is the key thing. He doesn't cause. Yeah. But he renders certain as a part of his plan that his plan. includes everything. Yep. Everything that happens, including the very actions of Satan himself, mm-hmm. are there. And, and every act that happens is results in his greater glory and our ultimate good. Our ultimate good, yes. Uh, our meaning, uh, his children. Mm-hmm. And that so everything that happens has a divine purpose behind it. And there's no such thing as wasted pain. Okay. The pain is pain but it serves some greater good. Yes. And of course, the example there is the crucifixion, perhaps yeah. the greatest evil in all of history, but also accomplished the greatest good. Good. Excellent. So that's that's the, a Calvinist approach. Yeah. And an Arminian approach will typically appeal to, to, again, I would say it's like a greater good. That That is like God yes. values something yes. Yes. more than exactly. the elimination of all evil. And that something he values more is usually couched in terms of authentic, relationship. Exactly. He grants to us uh, free will, that kind of moral agency that, that allows for the possibility mm-hmm. of evil. Um, even quite frankly, the certainty of evil um, <laughs> right, uh, is going to happen, but but it's worth it to God because he wants authentic relationship right. with people, that sort of so thing. So the way I summarize it, where Calvinist is God ordains for his ultimate glory in our, or for his greater glory and our ultimate good. In, a Cal- in Arminian view, God allows evil mm-hmm. for the sake of free loving relationship because he wants as many people at the marriage supper of the lamb as possible, but he wants a loving relationship. And if it's programmed or yes. rendered certain, then it, it's not really loving. It's having robots at the table. At that's, the table. The, that's the picture that's there. Yes. So he allows people to say no to him, but of course saying no to God is saying yes to evil. To something far worse. And yeah. that's where the evil comes from. Good. Okay, so those are the two, the two most prevalent approaches, yeah, yeah. So like a free will defense, uh, a, a greater good defense. Yep. Um, now, and, and you and I co-teach, I mentioned this earlier, we co-teach yep. a class on providence uh, where, where we disagree on, on, on some of this. We're not going to do that now, uh, but perhaps a future podcast, you know, we can come and talk about our own models of providence yeah. on here. And I, Let I think me just that'd throw be a lot in my summary. And that's what, yes, I, yeah. I, 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 I was going to invite you to give your model, which is neither one of these in totality. Yeah. Well, I call myself Calminian. So sometimes God's a Calvinist, sometimes God's an Arminian, but he always is good. I say that with tongue in cheek, uh, but my idea is God. It, what are the Calvinists? God ordains. I think that's sometimes true. Mm-hmm. God allows. That would be true in the case of say Satan attacking Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think God. The bigger picture is God is at war with evil, mm-hmm. and but He's using good as primary weapon to overcome it, and that seems so incredibly inefficient. But what He's looking for is 
people being transformed from evil to good, becoming mm-hmm. from darkness to light, but he does it in a variety of ways. So the basic is he isn't, he isn't ordaining it. Sometimes he is. Mm-hmm. He isn't allowing it. Sometimes he is. Mostly he's a war with it, overcoming mm-hmm. it with good. And we can unpack that another time. Yeah, which which we very famously do here at Western Seminary in, <laughs> yep. in a class. Um, and, and, and that would be an awful lot of fun yeah. to do. Um, the thing that helps here, if I can just unpack a little bit, please. is suffering is, is not just one kind of thing. Okay. There are different kinds of suffering or evil. So a person who is raped, you know, that's a, that's a moral evil. Sin, we would call it. That's one type of evil. Another type of evil is somebody who dies of agonizing bone cancer at age 23. There's no sin involved in that. It's evil. We call it natural evil sometimes. Uh, another kind of evil is uh, a person uh, who is attacked and persecuted because they're a Christian. Yes. That's a kind of evil. It's a different kind yet. Uh Another kind yet is when I see my friend in agony, I'm just working with a person right now who's going through a horrible divorce, and he is in agony with what's happening. I could ignore him and be happier, Mm -hmm. but if I go and join him and sit with him like Job's friends, I end up hurting. That's a different kind of suffering. Uh, And And you're talking about the suffering that you're going through there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then there's a there's a there's a suffering that comes because I'm being punished by God for sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are different kinds of suffering, and we have to look at suffering not as a univocal kind of thing, but as a diverse kind of thing. Okay. And I think how God relates to suffering varies by what's going on. Okay, but that okay. we can unpack another time. Yeah, excellent. So uh, I invited you into a class of mine yep. uh, to talk. Maybe it was over this very issue. I I can't it remember was. precisely what yeah. it was. Um, <laughs> And you went straight to the incarnation yep. to, to talk about this. Yep. And, I, and I thought, man, I think this is super helpful for yep. anybody, regardless of, of, of what your philosophical model. That's correct. Because it, it sure seems to me that when we're talking problem of evil, um, it, and maybe because it's framed as a philosophical issue. Too often, or a theological problem. Yeah, then we resort to philosophy to, right. to answer that question. Um, but but you directed us to Jesus right. and the incarnation, mm-hmm. which uh, shockingly is far more helpful. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, gosh, yeah. that Sunday school answer is actually kind of powerful. So so how how does the incarnation itself? Yeah. How is that a kind of theodicy? A, yep. a, a theodicy is the attempt to answer the, this perplexing problem of, yep. of, of why is there evil if God is all-powerful yep. and all-good? The big problem is suffering. You sign on Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Uh, is God doesn't care. Mm. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's worried about his Forbes business listing. He wants to be top of the heap. And so when, you, when God is glorifying himself, that sounds like he's more interested in his mm. standing on a some sort of hierarchy than he is in me. God doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels that way. Or God isn't doing anything. He's not doing anything. So he doesn't care or he's not paying attention. And this is verbalized in the biblical record. Oh, yeah. From from about Genesis 4 onward, yeah. it feels like. Yeah, right. yeah. And, and those are real objections, mm-hmm. is the absence of God or the silence of God or the... Uh, uh, care, non-caring God. 
Bible says he's good and loving Mm -hmm. and powerful, but it feels like he's not. And that's where I go back uh, and I look at Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christ. we believe that he is God in the flesh. So when I look at Jesus, he is God. He's Emmanuel. God come with us. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, how did this work out? Well, he left the glories of heaven, came and was born as a baby to Mary, and he was born in rejection. Mm -hmm. His very first experience was being born in a stable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The people that greeted the king of the universe when he came into this world were shepherds, Mm -hmm. which would be a little bit on the social status of homeless schizophrenics, (laughs) and some guys from the East... The political powers insulted him by not coming. So he comes in insult and rejection. This is the God of the universe experience, Mm. insult and rejection. That sounds familiar, suffering. Mm. Uh, Then the king locally decided to kill him. So he boogied out to go to Egypt. And a Jew in Egypt is experiencing what it's like to be a political refugee. Mm -hmm. Think of Syrian refugees in Germany right now. That's a story of a friend of mine, and they're living in political exile in incredible hardship. That's God who's experiencing that. Mm-hmm. He leaves Egypt, heads back up to Nazareth, and the way I tell it is, you know, here's Jesus, the young boy, out on the playground, and what's he experiencing out on the playground with other boys? Hey, Jesus, where's your daddy? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, he's experiencing what we would call bullying. In and this is. God experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Yikes. In the political oppression of the Roman soldiers, uh, the nativity story is a favorite film of mine that just shows the incredible cruelty. And we see in our present world, we see it in, in a lot of different places where occupying forces are killing people just on, you know, thoughtless. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's experiencing. So he's experiencing uh, political oppression and this is, again, this is God experiencing this. Uh, and then he heads into Jerusalem and doesn't go well for him there. The high priest soldier ended up uh, arresting him, taking him into the back room. And Caiaphas tells the soldiers, get him. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Bible just summarizes that they mocked him, again, in cruel insults, that they beat him. It doesn't give details, no, but I know what soldiers do to soldiers yeah. when the boss says, get him. I'm convinced he experienced sexual assault in that back room because that's what guys do when, mm. you know, they, they didn't just beat his head. And then he went to the cross. Where again, the Bible just says, and they crucified him yeah. w- without yeah. any of the gory details. It skips the gory details, but we can fill him in easily. Incredible, yeah. shameful time excruciatingly painful, excruciating, that's where we get is from cross. Oh, good point. Yeah. And all of this is God at work. Mm-hmm. And see, when I look, God doesn't care. Mm-hmm. If God didn't care, he would not be doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is care with a vengeance, yeah. if I could use that silly term. Yeah, so let's go back and, and yeah. reframe how, how yeah. you start at the beginning. I, the, there's this cry that's going out, God, why aren't you listening? Right. Why don't you care? Why don't you do something? Right. As, as a Christian, we know theologically Jesus Christ crucified before the foundations of the world. So, so this is the plan going in. Um, but, but, but even as throughout the Old Testament, people are crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? Right. God is saying, I have a plan. Yep. I'm working a plan. I, I, 
and and this is the plan. This is the plan. This is the plan mm-hmm. to this this walking mm-hmm. into this mm-hmm. this world of mm-hmm. suffering. Okay. And this is God doing it. He's not seeing an angel. He's mm-hmm. not asking Moses to Good do point. it or uh, you know some other human. He's doing it himself. And when I look at that, that makes absolutely clear that God cares. He cares so much that he would personally do these kinds of things. There's no other God in all the gods mm, of all point. the religions of the world who would do anything like this except Yahweh, the God who is gracious and compassionate. Uh, and he is doing something because in the work of the cross, the work of the when he comes in this world, mm-hmm. shows us how to live, dies for our sin, resurrected to bring life into it, exalted above all the heavenly beings. He's doing something powerful. Now, I don't know what that means about my friend with the dead baby. Yes. Uh, but what it does say is that overcomes the problem that God doesn't care and he isn't doing anything. He does care, demonstrated in Jesus. He is doing something, demonstrated in Jesus. And it is a plan that's been working the whole time. And that that didn't make the evil any less painful. No. But it makes it certain that God is at work in this situation. And the summary I put that anybody can say, no matter where you come out on the theological spectrum, mm-hmm. is God is good enough and powerful enough to do good in the worst evil. God is loving enough and powerful enough to do good in the worst evil, and he is at work in all times. So our question is, how can we join him mm-hmm. in doing good in the midst of this evil situation? And that I think we can work on no matter where you come out on the theological I, spectrum. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right there. How, how or why is, is directing people's attention to Jesus? I mean, it's always good to direct people's attention <laughs> yep. to Jesus, but, 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 but give a, a particular yep. answer here. How is that a, a compelling place to go for theodicy? Um, for, let's, let's start with Christians to, to start with. For Christians, the biggest thing there is that we believe he is the uh, m- most powerful revelation of who God is. Mm. Uh, Satan's attempt is to discredit God at every point or blame him for things that aren't his doing. Uh, and when we see Jesus, that is the most profound revelation of God's character and action. So Amen. as Christians, when we look at Jesus and we look at the whole of his life, not just one piece of his life— then we see, okay, this is God at work. Mm-hmm. Then there's stuff that isn't revealed there and because the second coming on yeah. the other side will be revealed. But that is the most profound revelation of Jesus and it's the center of, God, of our yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. And it's concrete. Jesus is a human, though we don't have actual pictures of him. Mm-hmm. We have people telling the story of their experience with him as they walked with him, lived with him. And so it's a very concrete revelation of God, God come in the flesh. Mm. And, and And so... One one place where this is helpful is that um, you you were right. Uh, it it doesn't mean that the pain doesn't actually exist. Uh, that 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 the suffering that people go through. We, but 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 it it is a response to God. Why don't you care, God? Why don't you do something? Right. We might we might not know exactly what God is doing right. through that and probably so often what we really want is for the pain to go away. Yes, yes, right? for and, sure. And, and of course, the fact... Of course, Jesus wanted some of the pain to go away <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, it's so, a I mean, perfectly human yeah. response to mm-hmm. that. 
Um, and, and, and the very fact that God incarnated 2000 years ago doesn't necessarily make the pain go away right. in, in that moment. But there is something hopeful, I think exceedingly hopeful about the knowledge. I don't know precisely how God is going to make all of this work, mm-hmm. but I can't say God doesn't care. That's correct. I can't say he doesn't care. Yep. And the question inevitably is why? Mm-hmm. When I'm suffering, my friend with a dead baby or mm-hmm. things, you know, uh, why? And that's an inevitable question and usually an unanswerable question because the world is complicated. Sometimes mm-hmm. I know why, yeah, but a lot of times I don't know why. But I can always ask the question with an answer, what now? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Jesus shows us is we're joining him in the battle to do good in this evil situation. Mm-hmm. And wherever you go on a theological spectrum, that yeah. is one of the purposes of God is to do good mm-hmm. in this evil situation it doesn't make the evil less evil, but we overcome mm-hmm. it with good. So Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil mm-hmm. with good. And that's the mission. So like my son wrestling, you know, all the drills and everything he did and being bent into a pretzel on the, on the match, there was a purpose for that. What now? Because he wanted to, and he yeah. ended up going to city meets and didn't mm-hmm. win at city meets, but, you know, enjoyed it. There's a, and we're serving a bigger purpose than just getting a cup at a wrestling tournament. Mm-hmm. We're serving the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God in the midst mm-hmm. of the dominion of darkness. And that's, we can advance that. I can be with my friend with a dead baby. Mm-hmm. I can go to my, well, I can name all kinds of stuff and, and we can do good and we can join God in his work of mm-hmm. doing good. And there, now there's a purpose whether the original thing had a divine purpose behind it or not, we can argue mm-hmm. about that theologically, but yeah. I have a purpose in this place, mm-hmm. which is to come and do good. Which, uh, which sounds um, a bit like how Job ends yes. to some degree. Uh, God never tells him the why. Right. Uh, even though... We know the why, <laughs> right? You know, well, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. I hate the book of Joel, sure. just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can repent of that later, I suppose. Uh, the, um, but but as, as readers of Job, we, we know more right. than what Job does or even what Job walked away with, it seems to me. Yep. I, like you're, as you read Job, you're just yearning for God to say, hey, look, I made a bet with Satan that you would be faithful. And you did. Great job. I'm so proud of you. Right. Uh, we're we're, we're kind of, because that's, mm-hmm. because, I mean, we know what was going on behind the scenes with Satan and God and, and that kind of thing to some degree, uh, but Job doesn't. Right. Um, but, but Job got God. Job, Job, yep. Job understood that, that God was watching for sure. Yep. Um, and that the answer was not that God was not powerful enough or that he didn't have his finger on, or on the button or the, his hand on the wheel. That was not it. Um, he, he never is told why. That's correct. But, but he, got to go, he, he, he got a way to go forward. Yep. And if you look at the different translation of Job 42.6, one translation is, I despise myself, which is a mm-hmm. Septuagint, not the Hebrew. If you look at the New American Standard, for example, is I withdraw or retract. Mm. And he's withdrawing his demands. Yeah. The demands are, you got to explain and you got to restore my honor. And he's mm-hmm. demanding it. Yeah. And, he withdraws his demands. I've seen you. Okay. I don't understand, but your presence is 
that's enough. And we've got the presence of God in Jesus, similar mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can say, I don't understand. This makes no sense to me. I'm sure if I were God, I've done it differently. Thank, mm-hmm. Thankfully, I'm not God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will join. Yeah. In but that, that idea that I've seen God in Jesus, okay, and this is a Christopher Wright statement I really like, I will be tenaciously loyal to the God I do not get. Mm-hmm. I don't get you, God, mm-hmm. but... You've demonstrated your character to me in Jesus. I've seen you work in other places. I'm tenaciously loyal to mm, you, good. but man, I don't get you. Yeah, and and it's okay because God is God. Yeah, right? it, it, yeah. It would be a tragedy if 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 we could encapsulate God within the limits of our understanding. Then he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be God anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, that's excellent. that's why the Exodus thirty four six seven, the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible, God is. Gr- compassionate, gracious, mm. slow to anger, loving, faithful, forgiving, and just. Those seven characteristics, that's the God of Scripture. And the more you look at Scripture, and frankly, the more I look at life, the more I believe that's really true. But there's also an evil side led by Satan, but the mm. forces of darkness that are at war with God. And that war we're in the midst of, Ephesians 6, makes it very clear that we're in a war. I don't yeah. want to be in a war. Sorry, you don't have a choice. No. Very good. Um, for unbelievers, let's say that you're you're sharing uh, the gospel with someone and they throw out problem of evil. Yep. It's like well, there's all this suffering yep. in the world. Uh, what what might your like evangelistic apologetic response mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. using this? Tim Keller in his book Making Sense of God does a good mm-hmm. job of how to approach that. Okay, uh, Mister Unbeliever, how do you make sense of the evils in the world? And his answer: Well, it's evolution. Big guys beat up little guys. Okay, how's that working for you? Not very well. Mm. Let me tell you what I see. I see, and then I give the picture of God who is in the midst of this uh, rebellion with Satan, and he's coming in Jesus to do that. And frankly, I think this gives more sense to what's going on and gives us an outcome that actually is satisfying as much as anything can be in the reality of evil. Mm -hmm. So the trick is, it's not just me defending God, it's the naturalist or whatever it is. How do you explain the evil? And frankly, your answer doesn't work well at mm. all, except to become bigger and powerful and beat up all the guys around you nice. kind of thing. I, I do want to point out for the record that, that Gary just quoted a renowned Calvinist at this point. <laughs> did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, so. I, Calvinists are right I, some of the time. I, there you go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that can be a to be continued one. Indeed. So good. Hey, Gary, thank you so much yeah. uh, for coming on with us here. I think it's always very helpful. This is real stuff. Yeah. And, but I think the Bible has real answers, at least right responses. Mm-hmm. What can I do to promote goodness in the midst of this evil situation? That's worth getting into. And Jesus will help you do it. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Food Trucks and Babylon, a Western Seminary podcast. Music is provided by Cortland Urbano. If you want more information on Western Seminary, please go to westernseminary.edu.